Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Let's all stand out of respect to the reading of the Word of God. Today I want to talk to you about my Christmas gift to God. My Christmas gift to God. Before I read the text and before you leave the building thinking I'm going to talk about money, let me just share with you that I believe that all of you that love the Lord and love lost people around the world are thinking about what you're going to do in our Christmas offering that will leave Sagemont and go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Certainly we want to include God on our Christmas list. He ought to be number one on the Christmas list. But I do want you to know that the offering that is received in the envelopes like this, all of it will go to the mission field. Every penny of it. I'm sure that you're thinking about that. You're seeing that in many places. That's not what this sermon is about. I want you to listen very carefully because when you think about silver and gold, have I none? Uh, so what am I going to do? Well, you will, I think, learn from the scripture. Listen as I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is talking about Christians living in Corinth. And Paul is writing and says to them, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first they gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. The key phrase is they first gave themselves to the Lord. Now listen over in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 verse 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together. And perceiving that he had answered them well. Asked him which is the first commandment of all. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, with all of thy strength, for this is the first commandment. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated? Thank you for standing here in the auditorium out of respect to the word of God. When you look very closely at yourself in the mirror, and then if you look closely at the people that you'll come in contact with today and every day, you will find that you'll not see two people alike. Every single one of us is different. Created by God in the likeness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You remember that as God made us, it was not long before sin came and all of us are born into this world with original sin. When we think about the hurt that's going on even today in Connecticut and other stories we've heard recently, the thing that I want you to remember, if you do not think that God can identify with what you feel, to remember that his only son died, executed by the Roman government, and he knew no sin. He hadn't even no original sin, much less committed a sin. He was a perfect one. He was God in the flesh. But that Jesus who was crucified, rose, and later ascended into heaven and 
when the scripture comes and lays out to us these truths, it ought to awaken all of us up. First of all, that we're very unique. We are unique <clears throat> that we have the Holy Spirit living on, in us, but we all have different bodies, different backgrounds, different personalities, different physical attributes. But God has put us together in order, number one, that he could fellowship with us, number two, that he could use us if we were willing to be used for his glory, and that each one of us could fit into some part of God's universe if we could discover who we are. Job, way back in the Old Testament, in the 10th chapter, verse 8, he said, your hands have made me, talking to God, your hands have made me and fashioned me. What we talk about today affects everything in your life. What I'm going to bring up to our attention in the next few moments affects every person in this building, every person that watches or listens, and every person in the world. One day, a man came to Jesus, and he asked a straight-on question. Mark 12, 30, answer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. That was his answer. He asked the question of what's the greatest and most important thing we could do. God, what do you want from man? What should man's gift be to you? You gave your only begotten son, sinless perfection. He was crucified and paid the sin penalty, but now what can we do in return? What is the first commandment? What do you ask? And the question is answered very clearly. Love the Lord with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind, and with your strength. If you put those four things together, you will see the personality of man. Our heart our heart, we'll talk about that in a minute, but people with, with our heart, we love to talk, we love to communicate, we want to fall in love, so to speak, with all of our heart. Our soul, we love to feel emotions. We also have been given a mind, and we love to think. And then we've given a, a body, and that body has various strengths of the arms, the legs, the back, whatever you might choose. But God has put us together, heart, soul, mind, and body. He says that the first commandment is, you are to love me and give me those things. I want your heart. I want you to give your heart to me. I want your emotions. I want your mind. I want your mind to be the mind of Jesus. And then he says, I want your strength. I want your energy. I want your focus to be to use these four things for my glory. Now, what are you going to give God for Christmas? When you're used to thinking about, I can't afford much, those four things you all have. I have them, you have them. And God says, I 
want those. He has all four traits. We are a blend of all four. He is, has perfected all four. But all of us have a part of all of them. But by the same token, there's probably one of those that rises to the top. I want you to think about that. Let me go over them one more time. Your heart, you love to talk. Your soul, you love to feel. Your mind, you love to think. Your body, you love to stay busy. Now, without raising your hands up, but which one would you say is you? If you say, well, I have one, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three, number four, well, what are you going to do? Well, first of all, give your best. Whatever one you're strong in, that's what you ought to give to God for Christmas, for the rest of your life. I want to ask you a question. The point I want to make is you matter to God. And I want to ask you a question. I studied comparative religions when I was at college, and I studied comparative religions when I went up to seminary. And trying to recall back after a lot of years and trying to think, I cannot think of any other religion in the world where the people that follow the God really matter to the God, except Jesus and Christianity. I don't remember seeing anything in any of those world religions that have anything to do other than I'm God and you're not and don't you ever forget it. But when I hear about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I read the Bible, it is filled from Genesis to Revelation with you matter to me. I tell you, you're different from what other gods that you worship. They could care less, but you matter to me. I need you. I want you. I want to use you. I've equipped you. I have prepared you. I have even placed you. I chose your parents. I chose where they were when you were born. I chose the sex, whether male or female. I put together your heart, your mind, your, your soul, your heart. I mean, all of that I have put together for a purpose, and your job is to glorify me with your life. Now, if you want to know what God wants from you, it is those four things. And if he has those four things... All of this other stuff will fall into place. But you first have to give to God what is taught in that first commandment. So quickly, we started off with love God with your heart. I told you those are the talkers. I know that some of you say I live with one. Could I tell you you're blessed if they know what they're saying? if they have the resources before they open their mouth. If they open their mind before they open their mouth, it will greatly affect the quality of the relationship. But you see, <clears throat> in Matthew 15, we hear about people uh, and, their, and, and, and uh, how they honor with their mouth, but their heart's far from God. Listen to what it says, Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart... Is far from me. Profanity, lying, being judgmental, all of those things can come from here. <clears throat> People, they love to talk, they love to tell stories. They love to talk heart to heart, they're conversationalists. You don't want to pay their cell phone bills. It's hard for them to keep secrets. They, they, they can talk so well, they'll say, when you're not supposed to tell them something, somebody said, I'm going to tell you something, don't you tell anybody. Then you go to them and say, now, I can't tell you this, 
but I do know you love to pray, so I want you to pray for so-and-so because they're having a problem. And then you tell them the problem. You say, your mouth can get you in trouble. You know that. Your grandmother taught you that, didn't she? You know, uh, all the time, it it's just comes up before us. Listen to what the psalmist said. David, 40th chapter, verse 9. He said, I proclaim the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourselves know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from this great assembly. David said, I'm a great talker. Well, great talkers can become great writers in writing out what they say. I don't know which one comes first. But he could write the songs. He could, he could put together the poem. He could definitely speak. But some kids are just born talkers. They just jabber, jabber, jabber. You can have twins, and one of them just jabbers, and the other one's very, very quiet. But God has given that. Now, what is the purpose of that? The world needs to communicate. I mean, we need teachers. We need coaches. We need comedians. We need politicians that will say the right things. We need proclaimers of the Word of God. We need people that will help us in love to guide our steps. That is a wonderful gift when your tongue is dedicated to God. And if your tongue is not dedicated to God, and you're not using your mouth for God, then you need to put your tongue on the altar and let God rededicate, refill, re-energize that tongue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you can say a whole lot of things, though, and not do anything. Why call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do the things I command. Now, there's a warning in Proverbs. It's the 12th chapter. And by the way, if you feel like you're a talker when you go home, don't do it now. Read the 12th proverb. It's especially for you. Proverbs 12, 13 says, The wicked is ensnared by the transgressions of his lips. You know, my dad used to tell me about lying. He said, if you won't lie, you won't ever have to remember what you said. Just always tell the truth. Always use the lips to be an encourager. Some people are known for their backbiting, for their critical attitudes. So maybe what you need to give the Lord for Christmas is your tongue. I just want to dedicate my tongue to you. And, of course, we have the soul, which are the feeders. He said, love me with your soul. The soul is the emotional part. The, the favorite book of those that are feelers is the whole Bible. Every bit of it has to do with emotions. From cover to cover, you will run into this. But we use words like disturbed soul, satisfied soul, a yearning soul, a troubled soul, a joyful soul, a bitter soul, a hungry soul, a longing soul, a delighted soul. I mean, it goes on and on. But I'm so soulish, you'd say. I, 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 or you may say someone, about someone else. They're just very emotional. They have a hard time hiding their emotions. When they're glad, they're just happy, happy, happy. But when they're mad, they can cut you in half with their tongues because they get so emotional about it, and they get all caught up in it. It's very interesting. If you'll watch Geraldo, uh, and if you'll watch Mike Huckabee during this time of this tragedy, you'll see two totally opposite personalities. 
you will see totally opposite emotions and talk. They're clear on the, either side of the spectrum. Very interesting. That's an illustration, though, that's right here before us today. Psalm 42.1 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it a blessing to be reminded over and over again how Jesus, when he was crucified, spoke not a word, he did not condemn, never did afterwards, although he had perfect emotions, he had perfect ability to speak, he decided to be very quiet and just let happen what happened. You know, a lot of men aren't feelers. A lot of men don't have many emotions. They don't weep a lot. There was a lot of attention called our president as a tear came to the side of his eye a couple of times, and it made us all feel good to see that. But there's a lot of men like that, that they just cannot weep. I've had hundreds of men tell me, I just don't cry. Or when they did cry, say, that's the first time I've ever cried. Well, what's the purpose of a gift like that? Emotions. Well, the world needs passion. The world needs passion and compassion. The world need to be around people that are sensitive. I want you to pick up on something that will help you down the road of life. Because death comes. It's appointed unto a man once to die. There's going to be times when you're closer than we are to Connecticut today and our emotions go out and our heart goes out to those people. But many times you find yourself in situations where somebody is grieving and you know what your thought is? What am I going to say? You know what the answer is? You don't have to say anything. Give a word, a look, and a touch. Just hold me for a minute. Just like your mother did when you, or grandmother or dad. Just hold me. See, that takes emotion. But I'm not a feeler. I'm not a toucher. It may be today that the gift that God would like to have for some is for us to give our emotions and our feelings back to Him, our soul. Feelers are people persons. It's in their vocabulary. How are you feeling today? How are you getting along? Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Are there any dangers for this gift? Oh, yes. You can make a lot of bad decisions when you're a feeler. You're tempted by your feelings. If it feels right, do it, is the attitude. People can play on your emotions. People can lie to you. You're easy deceived because your heart goes out to them. You get caught up and you feel sorry for them. You don't really know what the background is, but it just appears to be certain things. And 1 Peter 2, 11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. A lot of people have gotten into immoral situations because their heart went out to somebody that for in whatever the reason might have been, felt neglected. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I wish my mate was like you. You're wonderful to be with, and on and on and on, and your emotions go out, and the first thing you know, a problem arises. The problem with short-term decisions is long-term results. Galatians 5, 16 says, walk in the Spirit. 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's so good to take your emotions and say, God, would you anoint these with the Holy Spirit? Spirit, would you just come and take these, put them back into my body, and let me, let me be a feeler and reach out and touch people. You say, are there any symptoms? Have you noticed how a lot of people close their eyes every time they sing? Of course, others close their eyes every time I preach, but uh, that's a different emotion, okay? <laughs> but people that close their eyes when they sing, they're feelers. You know, if I were to close my eyes preaching, I'd fall off this platform, <laughs> you know? But they, they feel the music, you know, and they just close, oh, you know, you ever walk around and see people, those, they have the earplugs in there. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, God wants us to love us with his emotions. I think that's the reason some close our eyes when we pray. It doesn't say in the Bible you've got to close your eyes when you pray. But when you are an emotional person and you're a feeler, you might bow your head, close your eyes, and be still and know that he is God, and you close out everything. So that's not a bad thing to close your eyes when you sing or when you pray. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a symptom to say, I'm an emotional person, so I've got to be careful. But God wants my emotions. God wants your emotion. Jesus wept. Not at his crucifixion. He wept when he looked out over Jerusalem and he saw things like we saw when we looked over America yesterday, where there was one tragedy and another one came that close to, help, to happening in Oklahoma. You see, that's where it all fits together. God needs your heart. He needs your soul. If you could come to the next one, it's your mind. It is your mind. The mind is something that, well, you know, they're thinkers. <clears throat> uh, these people are always trying to figure things out. And they're much needed. The Bible says, love me with all your mind. You can love God with your brain. Faith does not throw the brain away. But God wants us to be thinkers. Christianity in, is unique in that it teaches its followers that they all have a purpose. And you may be a thinker, and it's your purpose, maybe to be a theologian, maybe to be one that would say, like the psalmist said in the 119th Psalm, verse 97, I love your law. That's a unique saying. I love your law, God. I understand it. I know when you say thou shalt not, you're telling me don't hurt yourself. When you say thou shalt, you're saying help yourself to a good time. We need people to think when we go through tough times. We need our scientists, psychologists, philosophers, inventors, theologians, medical science. God, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, though. You see, you can take your mind and start thinking away from, thus saith the Lord. That's when you get in trouble. Your heroes began to be people that were heroes in this world rather than getting into the Word of God. Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. But there's, a, there's weaknesses here. There's dangers here because pride can pop up that quick in a thinker. Very easily it can just pop up and when you don't think like I think, then I have no 
used for you. In 1 Corinthians 8, 1, the King James says, knowledge puffs up. You can get to where you feel like, I know everything. I'm so much better than you are when it comes to the mind. I'm off the charts in my IQ. The Bible would say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Never does it say God's going to humble you. It says you humble yourself. If you're that smart, then humble yourself and seek God's face. Thinkers can never come to a conclusion. While they're thinking about how to get it done, others have got it done 20 years before. But at least they were thinking right, and that encourages them. Thinkers have to practice humility all the time. Practice what you know. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And by the way, the only part of the Bible you believe is what you do. You, you say, I just believe all the Bible. Maybe not. Because what you believe, you will do. You will practice. You will put it into practice. Let me close. The last one. With all your strength. Now these are the doers. These are the ones that are the get her done. They're the ones that are doers of the word and not hearers only. They're the activists. They're the ones that are the initiators. They're the ones that look around and they put action to the table. Or they bring it to the table. And it says in the Bible, Jesus went about doing good. Doing good. What made him different from the, from the Pharisees? They were thinkers. They would look at the law and they would worship the law rather than the lawgiver. And so they had all kinds of problems. But Jesus went about doing. And when people saw him, they said he's not like others. Why do we at Sagemont have as a mission statement that we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world? The world is watching how do Christians handle the uh, temptations and the challenges of this world as compared to other families? To the family that says, our family's too busy to go to church. Our family doesn't have time to do the things of God. Our family's caught up in this or that or whatever, and if we have time, we may drop in. That is a type of family. You have other families, and what they say is, we are going to come and set our calendar with priorities. God is first. Our family is second. And we are going to have time in our family for God. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, everything we do in our body, Thinking, loving, working, playing, moving. All of that has to do with putting it into action. Why don't you, if you say, you know, I'm a thinker. Well, why don't you give your mind to the Lord? And start reading God's Word, studying God's Word, knowing the thoughts of God. If you're a doer, then why don't you say, I'm going to volunteer to do something for others. Whether it's here in my local church or in the uttermost part of the world, I am going to be one that puts my time, talent, strength, energy, like to get her done, I'm going to put it to work. My heart, my voice, my soul, my feelings, 
my mind, my intellect, my body, I'm going to give it to God. Because God needs it, and God can use it. Sometimes we look at others, and we say, I don't know why you talk so much. We look at others and say, I don't know why you read so much, study so much. We look at others and we say, why do you cry all the time? We look at others and say, would you just sit down? You make me nervous. You just do, 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 do. Just understand they're created different from you. And it's okay for you to sit and read while they work. You say, man, I'm glad I don't have to go edge the yard. I just tell him, get after it, buddy. You're the doer in our household. Get her done. <laughs> but you know what? That is what makes life, that's what makes a church special. We have different gifts. It's what makes a family special, male and female. God gives men certain attributes, gives women certain attributes. What it is, God brings them together. Let me close with the scripture. Psalm 127, 2 said, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. You see, there comes a time to just stop all of these and just be still. Take three deep breaths and experience God. And thank him. Don't burn out. Don't burn out. Don't get mad at people that aren't getting it done. Don't get mad at people that aren't saying it right. The world needs to see Christians who talk, feel, think, and act like Jesus. What would Jesus do if he were in Newtown, Connecticut this morning? Think, just think about it. I'm not going to answer it. You think about it. The Jesus you know, what would he be doing? How would he be encouraging the children, the teenagers, the married, the unmarried? How would he be? What would what'd Jesus do if he were to come to Washington today and ask, would you rethink what you're doing? Would you look at what the real problem is in America and get off of all this stuff that are so politically talk points and just get where God is? What we need is Jesus to visit this country and to put his ways, which are so much higher than our ways, back into operation in our families, in our churches, in our cities, in our counties, in our state, and in our nation. That's what we need. In the old days, God would say, or the preacher would say, we just need an old-fashioned revival. But let me just say to you, what you need to do is get in on it. So what are you going to give to God? Well, I'm going to write him a check. God's got plenty of money. He doesn't need the money. But if you write the check because you've got a love for the people in the world that never heard the name of Jesus, write the check. Because I'm here to tell you and promise you that every penny of it will go there. But by the same token, maybe some of us just need to read our, our Christmas needs to be, Lord, the, the family's gone to bed. I'm going to get down here and I'm going to rededicate my life to you. And I'm going to start getting involved more in the way you put me together. We'll help you find the place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray that you'll bless us now as we partake of the cup and the bread. Lord, we know today, of all days, we need to be reminded of who you are. How you lived, died, what you told us, what you taught us, and what you warned us about. 
I pray, Father, that you will help point out to us individually and collectively our strengths and our weaknesses, and yes, even our sin. And Father, I pray that you will now allow us, as we think of the broken body and the shed blood, that we'll remember the high price that was paid, that you could have fellowship with us. And I thank you, Father, that you loved us so much. You sent your Son. You're so different from all other gods. We're important to you. And I pray, God, that today will be our day of recommitment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org. 